Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Later on, we're going to be talking about biosecurity. Specifically, a tree disease known as Xyella. It's a real concern for gardeners in this country. I'll be speaking to Professor Nicola Spence from the Department for the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs about how we can all be proactive in keeping Xyella out of the UK. Well, we had a lovely weekend in Essex. Really warm. Amazing, really, for late September. And just what I needed to ripen the melons. I've got six on one plant. The first one just going yellow and filling the polytunnel with its fragrance. Uh, They're certainly worth growing if you've got a cold greenhouse or, you know, a bit of a cover of some kind. I was interested to hear, too, that Matt Oliver, we referred to last week, from the RHS at Hyde Hall, his pumpkin at the Malvern Show weighed in at 965 pounds. Can you believe that? And he added a squash, too, alongside it, and the squash weighed 750 pounds. I think you would get squashed under that. I can't wait to hear what the Peyton brothers have got down in Hampshire when they have the big national pumpkin weigh-in. I bet they'll have some whoppers. I was interested to read that Alice Fowler has been appointed president of the Herb Society. Yes, you probably remember seeing her on Gardener's World. She's a great exponent of forest gardening. When we worked together some years ago on a trade magazine called Horticultural Week, I admired her spirit because she would travel from nursery to nursery in Holland using trains and bikes. You know, it's bad enough driving on the wrong side of the road without uh, actually taking to a bike. She has some spirit, that young lady. Incidentally, uh, I also hear that the Dutch plant and flower exports to the UK were down 7% in August. But here in the UK, the plant sales are up. So it looks as if uh, Brexit is, in the short term anyhow, helping home production. Frost uh, hit home production of uh, apples and pears apparently by about 20%, although uh, the Taylor family tell me that fruit is larger and much more colourful at their Lathcote farms just up the road from me. And if you want more colourful apples, well, if you pick them and then you put them outside on a table exposed to the weather, especially the sunlight, you'll be amazed how red they'll turn in just a few days. So colourful apples can come from just exposing them with sunshine. Don't give up on the garden, you know. The days are shortening uh, and it gets a, a little bit sort of heavy dewed. But every job we can do now, jobs done in time, will just make gardening so much easier in future months. My garden still looks pretty good, and I hope to get a picture of it in the uh, spread in the TV magazine in the next week or two. We've had a lot of uh, experts in for interviews over the uh, last few months, And Charlie, my producer, tells me that this is our 40th podcast this year. Yes, he's nodding and smiling. He does all the work. I feel quite chuffed today because our interview guest is Professor Nicola Spence 
the Chief Plant Health Officer from DEFRA, that's the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. Uh, And we're going to talk about damaging pests and diseases which could be all too easily imported to Britain, especially a bacteria called Xyella. Now, Nicola, have I pronounced that right? Well, I I pronounce it Xylella. It's spelled X-Y-L-E-L-L-A, but I'm sure your pronunciation is fine as well, Peter. Well, it's it's trying to get that first L in, I find quite difficult. X-Y-L-E-L-L-A. Now, can you tell us what is it and what does it attack? So Xylella fastidiosa is a bacterial plant disease and it attacks a wide range of hosts, including shrubs, and trees. It's normally native to uh, South America and it's also found in North America, but unfortunately it's found its way into mainland Europe and there are currently outbreaks in France, Italy and Spain and a small outbreak in Germany. What it's doing on the continent is attacking hosts such as olive in Italy, almond trees in Spain and a whole range of shrubs like polygala, rosemary and lavender in the Balearic Islands and in the south of France. And what does it do then to them? Well, this bacteria actually clogs up the xylem vessels, which are the water-transmitting vessels of the plant. So effectively, the plant becomes droughted. So symptoms can include things like wilting, leaf scorching and a general dieback because the plant actually can't get any water as a result. So the symptoms are slightly different depending on the host, but the plant looks pretty sick and it can die quite quickly. Well, in the case of olives in Italy, for example, that could be a disaster. Yes, well, it has actually infected probably around about a million olive trees in Italy. So it is having a massive impact. It's down the heel of Italy. uh, And now the Italian officials have set up a 20 kilometer exclusion zone around that area. So no material can be moved outside that part of Italy. Uh, But we're still very concerned about the potential for this bacteria to spread in these high-risk hosts from mainland Europe. It's quite common in in recent years for garden designers to bring olives, you know, quite big olives in from uh, Italy. And we'd only need one plant, wouldn't we, to bring the disease in? The complexity of this bacteria is that there are several strains. Now, the strain that infects the olive in Italy is actually a strain that prefers warmer conditions. So we think that that particular strain on olive is probably unlikely to do well in the UK. But nevertheless, if we found it on a nursery, then we would have to take action on it because of the risk that it might spread into other hosts. But certainly we are keeping an eye on imports from mainland Europe and we do full inspections of the hosts of Xylella from outside the EU. So we're determined uh, to keep uh, an eye out for this disease at the border. We've also got surveillance programs which include surveillance on nurseries, in gardens and in the wider environment. Uh, as well as pressing the European Union for stronger controls on the highest risk hosts. And in fact, our Environment Secretary Michael Gove wrote to the European Commissioner last week to call for stronger controls. 
and we're expecting a vote in Brussels later this week on the action that the UK is requiring. Well, how easy is it for you to check? I mean, can you do it visually or are there other scientific means? Yes, we do have um, plant health and seeds inspectors who can do visual checks. Part of the problem with this disease is, though, that it can actually be latent in the plant. That means, you know, it's actually in the xylem, but the symptoms are not yet visible. So we have diagnostic tests that we can use, which at the moment take place in the laboratory. Uh, But actually, you know, we want much better testing to be done in the country of origin so that if a plant arrives, it's been checked, it's been tested, it's free of the disease, Uh, and we've got full traceability, so we know it's coming from outside a diseased area, and then we can have greater confidence uh, that it's not going to cause a problem. The other option here is that nurseries and suppliers and actually the public uh, make a decision not to import high-risk material. And we've actually had a very good response from the, the trade, many of whom are voluntarily not bringing in the highest risk hosts of xylella. So the public may notice that some of these plants uh, may not be for sale or may have limited availability. And that includes things like lavender and rosemary, I believe? Well, at the moment, those plants are not on the uh, the list of plants which are controlled, but that is what we're asking for. So um, if the UK gets what, what we've asked the Commission to do, which is controlling the high-risk plants. That will include olive, oleander, uh, lavender, rosemary, and a plant called polygala, as well as prunus species, particularly the almond prunus dulcis, which is associated with the outbreaks in Spain. Now, if, unfortunately, you do find a plant on a nursery in the UK, what sort of action is likely? So at the moment, um, the action that we are required to take is that we would have to destroy all hosts of xylella within 100 metres. So we would actually have to do some surveillance. And if it was on a nursery, we'd have to find any plants that are hosts of xylella and destroy them. And then we would set up uh, a 10-kilometre zone uh, whereby no plants could actually be moved within that 10 kilometres. So for a nursery business, it's actually actually a very serious consequence. Um, So that's why it's so important that we work together with industry to prevent this bacteria from entering the UK. Yes, when we think of 10 kilometre no movement. I mean, is that just the nursery that has the problem or adjacent nurseries? Well, obviously, um, where you have several nurseries that are close together, that 10 kilometres could actually take in not just the premises where the xylella is found, but adjoining premises and other businesses. So I think, you know, the industry are looking very carefully at practice, not only in their own nurseries, but their neighbours and their other premises in the sector because they're keen that everybody actually behaves in a responsible way and procures plants in a biosecure way uh, because actually they might be risking not only their own business but the business of their neighbour. I mean it's almost like sort of foot and mouth and bird flu if if you're shutting down a complete area I mean it could be. Well yes it is it is um, you know a requirement that because this disease can spread into so many different hosts, including trees, you know, we would take very decisive and very strong action 
uh, to stop it from spreading uh, and to try and eradicate it quickly. And because we all know that the cost of dealing with a problem once it is established is much greater than dealing with it at the time that you find it first and you try and eradicate it quickly. And and you mentioned cost. I mean, is there any compensation at all for anybody who, who unfortunately... No, we don't we don't pay compensation in plant health. No. Uh, so again, it's, it's the responsibility of nurseries to um, make sure that they know where are their plants are coming from. You know, is it a trusted supplier? Um, are they sourcing from disease-free areas? Um, it's also worth nurseries when they're bringing in plants to their nurseries, sort of isolating them in a particular part of the nursery so that they know exactly where they are. So again, you know, in the event of a problem, we could quickly isolate those plants and it might have less impact. And making sure that um, these high-risk plants have got the right plant passports, that they've been tested, um, and that they're confident that they're not going to be introducing any disease. And good hygiene and good biosecurity on the nursery is also important um, so that you know people know exactly where the material is, where it's come from, so that there's full traceability in the event of a problem. I mean, the whole thing is, is frightening when you stop and think about it. And for most of our listeners, the message must be you know, to avoid bringing woody plants in from the... Uh southern mediterranean mustn't it absolutely and you know particularly for your listeners i i urge people when they're going on holiday it's lovely to look at plants and take photographs of them but please don't bring anything back uh, because you know you don't know what the disease status of that material might be and i'm sure nobody would want to unwittingly you know introduce a problem into the uk no goodness no uh, could i broaden the subject a little bit more because um I was uh, reading recently about emerald ash borer. I mean, yeah. that's that's not a bacteria, but but an insect pest. Uh, that's another possible problem. Is that correct? Yes. Well, emerald ash borer is a jewel bug. So it's been found in North America. It's now spread into Canada, and it's native in Asia. So this pest infects ash trees and it actually kills them quite quickly so we're seeing millions of ash trees across north america being affected by emerald ash borer so this is one of our sort of top three most unwanted pests in the uk so we already have a ban on the import and movement of ash so that reduces the risk and likelihood of it coming in on trees. But also we have very strict controls on wood because this pest can actually come in firewood. So we've got strict controls on wood coming from within Europe and particularly from North America and Canada. Um, there are landing requirements. Wood has to meet very high biosecurity standards and we inspect it to reduce the risk of us inadvertently bringing emerald ash borer in. It seems balmy that here in Britain we should import firewood. I mean, it's not as if we're short of well, wood to surprising. burn. And when we, when we began to look at the supply chain, because we were concerned about firewood, particularly, you know, stuff that you find at garages, you know, we, we weren't sure where it was coming from. So we did a study uh, to work out where it was coming from. And actually, we are importing firewood from Latvia. And because emerald ash borer is present in Russia, 
uh, we are concerned that there's a potential pathway for it to um, end up in places like Latvia in the Baltic states. So we now have statutory notification on all firewood so that we can, again, be aware that it's coming in, where it's coming from, and we can inspect it. But I would hope that there is you know, enough good quality firewood in the UK to supply our needs. I'm, I'm and sure. I would urge people to source um, local firewood. Yeah, exactly. There's absolutely no point burning fossil fuel carting firewood about when, when we can grow perfectly good trees here. Yeah, um, Nicola, it sounds a very responsible but quite fascinating job. How on earth did you get into it? Well, I've always had a passion for plants from a very young age. I was lucky enough to have a, a grandfather who loved plants and he was a, a true plantsman. So he had alpine collections and he also had an orchid house. So I used to spend a lot of time with him in the garden. So when it came to a choice of career, I decided to study botany at university, having done science A-levels and sort of took it from there, really. I've developed a fascination for pests and diseases of plants. Uh, so I was lucky enough to get a job working um, on horticultural pests and diseases. And so that's brought me to this role as chief plant health officer, which is a, a fascinating combination of science policy and responding to emergencies by action on the ground. Goodness, yes. But with Brexit, you're going to need more plant health inspectors, aren't you? So is there a sort of job opportunities coming up here? Well, we do currently employ about 140 plant health inspectors. I mean, currently with Brexit, we are looking at uh, what kind of import controls might be required depending on the negotiation of the trade outputs. So it doesn't necessarily mean we need more inspectors, but actually, you know, we, we often recruit them um, and they come from a range of backgrounds, either environmental science or biological science. But actually, some of them come from a, a background such as the police and the uh, fire service because they've got an operational um, response capability. So we, we have a, a wide range of people that come and work with us and, you know, we're just working through the various options for a plant health import regime uh, after we leave the EU at the moment. Nicola, we salute you and, and uh, <laughs> wish you every success. And if we can be of any help or service in the future, please get in touch. Well, many thanks, Peter. It's been uh, very nice talking to you. Now, there's been one or two questions coming in. Valerie from Limoges in France. Yeah, we... we Get about, don't we? Got those interviews from Australia and the States and now it's France worried about fruit fly. There's a moth which uh, lays eggs in cherries and a lot of soft fruits and it's quite a problem in the south of France. In fact, it's reduced the uh, cherry crop dramatically and really, it's a job to know what to do. As far as we gardeners are concerned, uh, and Valerie too, if she can reach, if you get a sleeve of horticultural fleece or micro mesh, as we call it, mesh, if you put a sleeve over the branch, as soon as the petals fall, then you stop the moth laying eggs and uh, creating this maggot in the fruit. They tell me that uh, in Britain, we stand a better chance of controlling this pest because we've got fruit cages. 
and putting an mesh over the cage would be another way of keeping this uh, moth away. Uh, Mr Davis too from Cumbran asks why his runner beans uh, have no flowers, all leaves and no flowers. Well I have to say that my runner beans were a bit late coming into flower and I think it was partly due to all that summer rain. They were on a pretty rich bit of ground and they grew and grew and grew. I mean, they had no urgency or need to flower and set fruit, but they are cropping pretty heavily now. So uh, I hope, uh, Mr Davis, if you've been patient, that you've now got flowers setting. And I think another year, especially in the west of the country where there is a lot of rain, don't feed them too well. Well, not until the pods have set anyhow. I was at Wisley recently. And there was a young child running about picking the colchicum flowers and the hardy cyclamen flowers. I mean, it's such a pity. Uh, this uh, child was with uh, her parents and grandparents and they just let the child run amok. I said to the uh, grandfather, here, you know, what's this uh, child doing? And he said, oh, they're only picking the dead flowers. <laughs> they weren't dead. And I'm afraid I told him a few home truths about giving control of his young people. What can we do when people don't respect all that beauty, especially when there's been a bit of hard work put behind it so that folk have a really good day out? Thanks again to our sponsor, Thompson & Morgan, and to my producer, Charlie Jones. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk.